All right. All right, let's take our declaration of understanding. We'll do that when we want to study. And then we'll get um, into the teaching immediately. Are we ready? All right. For those of us who know it by heart and those who have their magazines in their hands, if you are ready, let's go together. Remember, it's what? All right, one, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, say, Amen. 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 Special understanding is coming today. Amen. The powerful health is coming in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, do what? Pay attention. Tell somebody, pay attention. Pay attention. Let's shout it loud for those out there to hear. All right, that is all the Lord is requesting of us again this evening. And His power will be released into every life. And the kidneys that are not working, they will begin to work. Amen. If you are listening to me and you have an affliction there, there's a special anointing to recover that kidney today. Amen. Just pay attention. It's less than two hours. All right? Pay attention and God will do something special in your life. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles. We are going to continue teaching along the same lines, but we may switch topic today, <laughs> you understand, in case this is possible that somebody is listening to this as number one in a particular news in series of messages. Just know it's a continuation of um, the, the Connection to Spiritual Power series. I don't know the, what we finally give that as a title. So just, con- just if you got this message, try and get the ones before it, all right? All right, the Lord is good. So let's open... Uh, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to start from Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, do we start from Ephesians chapter 1 or we go back to that story of the centurion? Okay, I think we should start with the story of the centurion and then we'll go down to that Ephesians chapter 1. Um, which one do we read? Okay. Matthew chapter 8. Now, don't close Ephesians chapter 1, but just um, flip over to Matthew chapter 8. We read this last time. I hope this is the very one we read, but it's the same account anyway. Let's take um, a break from verse 5. He said, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. How do I know that? For I am also a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. That's how come I know if you speak the word he was saying, my servant will be healed. Verse 10, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. All right, the Lord is good. All right, please, let's bear this in mind. We were reading this last time, and I used that to introduce something to us. Because what I want want to start talking about, focusing on from today, is how faith actually comes into our lives. Now, I want us to understand something. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What God wants to do on the earth must be released by the faith of the people on the earth. The power of God that we are believing for will only come according to faith in our hearts. I hope you're getting my point. I mean, did that, remember that woman with the issue of blood? He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's what he said to him. The woman wanted to be healed. She needed a dose of healing power discharged into her. And then how did she get it? She said, if I will just touch the hem of his garment. And then when he, she got there, she touched it, power entered into her, and she was healed. And Jesus said, daughter, what made you how well? Her faith, all right? Now, faith, we talked about it a few weeks ago, is a way of seeing things. Faith is not the way you deceive yourself, no. Faith is like a telescope, it's like a microscope, it's like um, um, a special machine that a scientist will use to see what normal eyes cannot see. For example, I want to see a galaxy that releases light 2 billion years ago. I can't just come out at night and sit down there and be looking. I won't see it. Are you getting my point? The fact that you can't perceive something physically is not proof that the thing does not, does not exist. I hope you're getting my point. It's not proof at all. If anybody is telling you that, you see, you, you only believe what he can see and all of that, the person is deceiving himself. The fact is that you live life a lot of times by what you can't see. Have you ever seen the signals that carry your, you know, from your phone to this base station? You have never seen it. But you know it is there because you can feel the effect. And you may say that, oh, please, if line is breaking, you say signal here is weak. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Yet you can't see it. I hope you follow my point. But there are scientists, I mean, the, the technicians, they have things of measuring the signals directly. They can tell you the intensity. Okay? So that's how faith is. Faith is a method, just like the astronomer, or astro, yes, astronomer, will look into space with his specially designed my, my, uh, telescopes. There are all kinds of telescopes. There are small ones. There are tube ones you just lift up and put in your eyes. You understand? <laughs> there are some that are so big, of course. It's a whole building in itself. And then to see things clearer, they said, no, we have to put the telescope outside the Earth's atmosphere. Because on, on the Earth, the, the, the air around, the dust in it, the cloud, all those things, they will shield, you don't see as clearly. So they went beyond the clouds. They went beyond the air, went beyond the dust in the air, and threw a telescope out there and called it the Hubble Space Telescope. And we see the kind of pictures it produces. And they have a new one coming. I don't know whether it's been launched now. James Weber Microscope. Is it James Webb's, I think, uh, telescope? They are all going to be in space. On this earth also, we have what they call X-ray microscopes. Those ones don't use uh, telescopes, I wanted to say. They don't use lights. They use X-rays. They use um, parts of the... Uh, read the magnetic, what do you call them now? This spectrum. The, what? 
Electromagnetic, thank you. They use a part of the electromagnetic spectrum that the eyes don't see. They call them X-ray telescopes. They exist on the Earth. What are they doing? They are seeing things that you and I can't see, things that really exist. You will not tell somebody, say, yeah, you are using telescope. You are just deceiving yourself. No, he will tell you, listen, this cluster, there's what they call a local cluster here, and it contains this number of stars. It will not cross your mind to argue with the individual. Why? Because he has something that you don't have. Please, I hope you are getting my point. If a man has a technology like that, he's telling you these are the number of stars around here. You don't argue with him that you can't see it. No, he has something you don't have. So you will accept it. You won't say you are just deceiving yourself because you go to a particular church. Do you say that? Please bear it in mind. You don't say that uh, because you are, you are just an astronomer. You know I'm not an astronomer. You want to be telling me things that are not real. The man says if you don't believe it, sit down. I tune the telescope. You see the pictures. See how we calculate the things that are there. Faith is like that also. Now, please, can I digress for one moment? Not too much. Still on that area. Faith is very reasonable. When I say reasonable now, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes people make it look as if Christians just believe things that are not possible. But do you know what? If you study science, you will say there is no claim we have made that science hasn't made their own also in another dimension. Let me give an example. We say there's heaven, right? We haven't seen it, have we? Most of us. And we walk around confident about it. If you read one of our articles long ago in one of our magazines, we say which one is more reasonable? Science or Christianity? Or that the claims of Christianity are this so unreasonable. Do you know? <laughs> if you go and Google up, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, what they call the multiverse. You know, you have a universe. Just Google up multiverse. Science has said in the beginning of the expansion of the universe, of the Big Bang, if the expansion was faster than the speed of light, it will have created more than one universe. And that the two universes, that is not two now, more, many, and that they, will ne- they are coexisting, superimposed upon each other, and they will never be able to communicate with one another because they will have been established on different laws, different principles. And I laughed. And when I say there's heaven, <laughs> you want to tell me I'm being unreasonable. Yet, the plausibility of it is shown even by scientists. That angels move faster than the speed of light is nothing strange. Go and read a little bit about quantum physics, what they call quantum <laughs> entanglement. Just read it. There is nothing that we are talking about that Science has not even gone beyond. So Christians, feel free to make your claim. Lazarus was raised on the fourth day, even though he was decomposing. Don't try and say, you see, what Jesus meant. Listen, you know, sometimes we want to make, you know, we want to try and calm it down. We want to try and make sense. We want to try and... Abdurushin started a great message because he said the virgin birth was not possible. Years later, he decided cloning. If you read it, I mean, I read this book in the, in the light of truth. I said, what is wrong with this guy? He said, that claim is totally against the order of life. I said, where were you? Of course, he wasn't there that time. You should have been awake when they cloned a sheep from Dolly. From um, the breast of another 
uh, the, the mother, they, a cell from there, and they call it Dolly. It's not exactly the same thing as the virgin birth, but you see, there's something has shown to you that what you thought was unreasonable, even science has done it. The issue of miracles, forget it, is scientifically reasonable. Science every day is always looking for how to get there. And they will tell you that went ahead of them that you're unreasonable. I don't know whether you're getting my point. We are, everybody's searching out truth. We just are ahead. We just are ahead. I don't want to sit on it because if I start telling you things, listen, better, having faith is, is, is so, 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 so reasonable. You should have faith. I'm not to emphasize faith is not just I want to believe what I want to believe. No. Is actually a machine. Can I use that expression? By which you see into a realm which otherwise you cannot perceive. So it's like I want to look into the spirit. The only machine I can use is what? Faith. And then tell me about it. Eventually, sometimes that faith will condense that thing that your eyes will start seeing them. After all, that is what the telescopes do. They rearrange the rays until you can actually see directly. Faith is part of, look, by it, we read that from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, by faith we understand. Without faith we have no understanding. The foundation of understanding is faith. Now this one I'm trying to make. The more of that faith therefore you have, the better you see all spiritual things, and the more the power of God can flow into your life. <laughs> Let me say this to you. But let's analyze this together. Now, I, I was saying something to you like, also here last week. That when I was a child, we used to, because the theme of most of the movies, uh, dramas in the West was um, spiritual, all right? And they used to tell us things like, they used to tell us things like, um, if I know, the, that is, if you tell, if you can learn the name you understand? That something is called that that thing will respond to you. Let me give you an example now. For example, if you want the earth to produce, they say what you need to do is go and learn the name that the earth is called. No, and it's not just that one, earth, are you going to the soil? No. But there's a name you will know that it is called. You will speak to it, it will produce something for you. <laughs> and I've said it before here. That what you know is not just intellectual acquaintance with facts. It is actually power. Let me explain. This is where I was going. When Jesus wanted to step on water, he wasn't hesitating. He knew so much about water and the interaction of water with weights and all of that. That he knew, let me put it like this, he knew how to step. And he couldn't sink. I pray you understand what I'm saying. See, for him, it was not a great work. It is like, is it not water? I don't know that you're getting my point. It was the depth of knowledge and acquaintance. And then you know, there's a way it is that they say, um, uh, you might drown. It has, it has never crossed his mind he could drown. I don't know that you're getting my point. Because he said it himself, a prophet cannot perish Outside Jerusalem. See, that he will drown. Many times they will want to stone him. He said, the Bible will say, he passing through the midst of them went his way. One man said something once, and I believe it. First, let me just say this. 
most of those times, just said, like, I better get away. Let me go where I'm going. And they didn't know what held them back. They opened the door for him, and then he passed. And they just cleared the way for him. But other times, he will hide himself. He will seem to sneak away. Do you know why? He's trying to save their lives. He wasn't hiding because he didn't want to die. There's no way they could have killed him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. There was no chance in a hundred million trillion. Because death, let me put it like this. He said, I beheld Satan falling. Somebody who beheld Satan falling. He understands what death is. He knows where, I mean, when it was time to die, he told them, listen, let's go to Jerusalem. Why? Because there, this will happen, this will happen, and then I will be beaten, and there I will be crucified. Ah, everybody panicked. And we're like, why are you panicking? There's an appointment for each life. This is what I, you know, he said, that John 12. He said, should I say, Father, deliver me from this hour? He said, for this reason, I came to this hour. Last week, I talked about different levels of spiritual information. All right? And I should be careful to move into the higher levels when we want to walk. Let's talk about that spiritual information again. This, this uh, centurion here, notice something. Jesus said he had great faith. I've been talking about what faith is. He said he had great faith. And what did he do? Did he say to Jesus Christ, I prayed this morning and as I began to pray, you know, my spirit began to rise and I knew that as soon as you come, my, my servant will be healed. Did he say that? In my intercession, you know, I began to read the scriptures and Jesus, I saw something here about you. Amen. And I knew that. No. He just said, please come and help me. Now that call for help is not the issue. That said his faith was great. Is that when Jesus said, I will come, everybody believed that Jesus could heal, you know? At that time, there was nothing strange about Jesus healing anybody. Everybody knew he could do it. Everybody in quotes now, all right? Everybody knew he could do it. What made his own strike? Every other person that Jesus healed, up to this point, almost everybody, is either touch or speak, you know, laying of hands, put clay. There was proximity. But he said, I'm a man under authority. Caesar doesn't have to come from Rome to give me instructions. He sends a message. If I want something done, I speak to my servant. And my servant will go and get it done. So he said, Jesus, if you are really the person I think you are, then you don't have to come to my house. And Jesus looked and said, See, Faito, let me use my own words. This guy has understanding. This fellow understands how spiritual things work. Ah, now, the man was not guessing. It was not, you know, sometimes, eh, I was, you know now, want to praise God bribingly. You know, I call bribingly. If you praise him enough, he will do it. Yeah. You want to give God thanks so that he won't be angry. You're not really grateful, just that. <laughs> you know, a lot of us, when you give God thanks for food, it's a habit. I work now. They pay salaries now. Food is there now. It's an unconscious thing. So giving thanks is more like, uh, like what? A habit. This morning I was having a bath. And I told the Lord, I want to thank you for water. I said, Lord, and I'm not thanking you out of habit. Or I'm not trying to bribe. I just want to tell you I'm really grateful I have this water to have my bath. And I wasn't joking. Because I know he sent water. That's how come I have it. So if I go special about water, when they deny it to you, you will know what's special about it. 
put every bucket of water, every glass of water to drink. God specially sends. I have had that understanding for some time. So there are times I hold a glass of water. I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful. Was it on Tuesday when I got down here? I was famished. I just rushed, opened the freezer. I saw a bottle of Coke. I drank that Coke with Father. Thank you for keeping it here. Of course, I know they always have it in quotes. It appears like, but me, I didn't see it like that. I saw that I needed to preach. I was tired. I was thirsty. I needed to rehydrate and get some sugar. And I opened the freezer. Mm. And you know, there's a way to when you really need it, if it looks different. <laughs> and I, do you follow my point? I don't know something here. There are times we do these spiritual things out of real understanding. Now, that centurion, he wasn't trying to hype Jesus Christ up. He said, guys, let's praise him. Once we heal him, he hair goes swear, power go to flow. No. He was like, sir, you are the Jesus we know now, right? Okay, no problem. So why do you have to travel and go that distance? Why don't you from here send the word? That's what Caesar does to me. That's what I do to my servants. I just issue forth the word. He said it out of clear clarity of mind, clarity of perspective. He knew what he was saying. And Jesus said that is what? Great faith. So this is what I say. When you have understanding, when you get acquainted with true knowledge, faith enters your heart without you thinking about it. When you get acquainted with True knowledge. Faith enters your heart. You don't have to think about it. It is not about you know, standing up yourself to believe. It's about whether you know what you are saying or you don't. Many people take actions that appear like faith. Why? Because somebody else took a similar action and it was faith. But that other person who took that action, took that action out of understanding. Do you get my point? Like, we, oh no, yesterday we were here, today was, yes, yesterday, we were talking about a blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, we analyzed extensively during the, um, the, the scripture Bible studies that when Abraham said, Lord, choose first, we said that's being poor in spirit, that is preferring one another in love, count other people as more important than yourself. We discussed that extent, in fact, that took most of the time yesterday, all right? We couldn't go beyond that. But there was something we said, that those things are not easy unless you have come to know that God is watching over you. For example, I do have a problem that if everybody is rushing, now, I've learned this once I was in university. If everybody is rushing for something, I don't rush. As a rushing is proving to God that I don't believe he has reserved my own. No, that's, listen, I've operated like that for more than, what am I saying, for more than 30 years. In fact, you know, when I was in Lagos, I didn't have a car of my own. So anytime I had to go out, I used public transport most of the times, okay? And if you, I don't know how Lagos is now. When I was in Lagos, I left Lagos quite a while ago. We had to enter Moulways and Downfalls. And then rush time, you had to rush, you know? You get to bus stop. Maybe you get to, let me just take one bus stop. Um, a Banikoro bus stop. You are going to Juelegba. So there's a lot of people there. As long as the bus is stopping, People start, in fact, as, as it's approaching, people are beginning to mark it. They run, they enter. I had the principle. Lord, I'm going back to 
my place. I need a bus. I had the law. I stay on one spot. The bus that's picking me up must stop there. I can only look, I only allowed myself the small allowance of shooting to the left a bit or the right. I'll just stay there. So how long are you going to stay there? Till the law says I can go home. I'm telling you the truth. I didn't used to join anybody to run after any bus. The bus will come. But once you stop on that, everybody just moves all the way like sheep, go that direction. Me, I'm staying here. If he passes where I am, all will I move the other direction. I'm, I'm not going to follow them. The boss I will enter will stop where I am. The best I will do, or, or the worst I will do, is to take two or three steps to the left or to the right. And I'm not going to push anybody, and nobody is pushing me. And I operated like that for years. I'm not kidding about it. And my principle, don't think I was just a fatalist, so we didn't care. My principle is that God is sending me a boss. That was my principle. My principle was simple. The Lord is sending me a boss. In the midst of all that commotion, you must understand something. The understanding I had from the time I was in university, I was taught, is that God knows me personally. Something happened the other day. I told one of our sisters, you know her very well, mommy, and I told her something that I had to get back to her. She laughed. She said, Banky, the Lord is jealous over you. And I take her word as a prophetic word. I believe that the Lord knows me personally. I got stuck in on each other the other night. I was going to Benin. Got to the bridge, six hours across the bridge. I got there at 5 o'clock, climbed that bridge by 11 p.m. Got to us by 11.30. Now, this is where I'm going. We're inside there for a very long time. Me, my wife, and two of the kids. Thank God the car was running well. The AC was working. We could leave the engine on and the AC on for a long time. Sometimes we'll put it off. But at the point in time, I came down. I told my wife, I'll, I'll be back in a while. I want to take a walk. I just told her I won't go further than that truck over there. I just wanted, this. I wanted, I just wanted to talk. I just said, the Lord, I just, I, now, the Onitra Bridge is bad. It's not bad. No, that one is different. Man said, Lord, you knew I was coming today. You know where I'm going. Why didn't you clear the bridge? I've not been in that kind of hold up, maybe in the last, I don't know how long. I've only been it once, going that direction, since I came to Enugu 20 years ago. Going that direction. Maybe the worst I've ever encountered is like an hour. I'm not going that direction. Come to that direction, I've done a few hours before. So that day, I just, I just took a walk. I said, Lord, but you knew I was coming. Hey, I know it's Friday. Okay, why didn't you remind me it's Friday? No, what I'm saying, like, if it's like, a, it's Friday, you got there late. I said, this is not the first time I'm getting at this kind of time. So, Lord, why is it not clear? And I meant it as a genuine question because, and I'm not kidding about this, I'm not bragging. I said, the Lord knows I'm supposed to pass through here. So why did he block me at this point? I won't give you details of the thoughts that came to my mind, but that meant something. Next morning, instead of continuing the journey, I just took my wife and kids, put them in a taxi. They went on to Benin. Me, I turned back and came back to Enugu. Somewhere I said, but what I had in my mind, the bank, don't go beyond the Sabbath. So next morning, I told my wife, please, I won't be continuing the journey. Took them to the park, got a taxi. Please. Drop them at home, my parents in laws place. And me, I turned and came back to Enugu. That was last Saturday. Many things to say about it, but one of them is just, I just felt that like God said, look, the message I put it in your mouth, go and drop it, go, go and preach it. Where are you going? I am not a game of chance. I learned these things when I was in university. I learned it. If you say, hey, hey countries, but listen, don't treat yourself like a statistical item. So, if I want to marry, I go to where women are plenty. 
There are people who change church so they can meet a husband. You will meet you will meet Ahab, and Ahab will meet Jezebel. That's not look. Listen, if you want something, pray. God can bring the person to you in the desert. I pray we we'll learn to. See, that's what faith is. Is not knowing these things. That's what faith is. That is what faith is. Do you know? I've not applied for too many jobs in my life because, especially because of the way, well, the way I pursued the profession. And I generally, God has helped me since I was in university. I don't, um, I know they run up and down. Are you getting my point? I don't. Do you know? One of the reasons why I hardly, hardly have had to apply when people are doing application, they put like three applications, four. I've never done it. I left school, I wrote only one application for where I would do my house job. Just one. People, they simply like six. I did only one. Time for residency. That was it. arranged itself. Where I wanted to go, I just got information that there was no point coming. So I just went to lose. That was only one I tried at that point. Where I really wanted to go, they said some stories. So I went to this particular place. I, I, I went to lose. To leave Lagos and come to Enugu, there was no discussion. One of my pros from Ife came, called me after our final exam, offered me a place, told me that you'll be replacing social and so person. Yeah, I used to work together. He has moved over to Europe. He's not going to come back. I'm giving you his office. All you need to do is say yes. So I said, sir, I'll get back to you. I thought about it. Under university, the HOD at that time called my chief and said, what's this guy like? She said something funny about me. <laughs> I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> but okay, I'll tell you one good side of it. He said, he's a very smart guy, very intelligent guy. Now I said another thing, but I won't tell you that one. <laughs> No, 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 I know I won't tell you that one. It's, it's, it's not a very good thing. <laughs> but she was honest about it. And she told me, look, Professor and so asked about after you. This was what I told her. I said, yes, ma. No, Allah. <laughs> so she, she's also a woman. I said, yes, ma. No problem. <laughs> well, actually, well, the, her statement was a reflection of the fact that the medical specialty was not my primary call. That, that was just what it was. You understand? In fact, the other... I, the other man lost me partly because he mentioned one big pastor in Lagos, said they were classmates. And that, uh, he now made a statement that appeared as if that one missed the way, abandoned medical practice and went into ministry. And I said, if I work for this man, we will quarrel, so let's just leave this thing. How did I get to Enugu? Friends just came and said, come to Enugu now. And got led by signs and confirmation here and there. And I walked, I came into the city is it was my second time in my life to come and start working in Enugu. And before then, I told, told my wife, because we, we just got married a few months before that, okay, that where we, I will go after now is where we will start ministry. So as soon as I came to Enugu and settled, the following year, local meeting, called my brethren to decide that we are ready to do the work which you believe that God has ordained for us to do. And of course, the all new memory were like, ah, it is time. They were so glad to lay hands on us, like Paul, uh, Paul and Barnabas and send us forth. I'm going to say something to you, alright? You are not a game of chance. It is not as okay if you go to America you will prosper because prosperity is available in the environment. No. If God ordained for you to prosper in Enugu, Abakiliki, Oka, or Necha, just this our axis here, he will bring it down here. If you are moving anywhere, listen as a child of God, it must be because of purpose. You feel that there's something I'm supposed to accomplish in this season. There, you know, there are women who change church because there are more men in the other church. They want to marry. Because they went for a program in the church. 
And they saw the choir. Sixteen men. Ah, ah. <laughs> Sixteen men. And they used that as if they were worshipping. And their finger did they check. <laughs> ah. The Nazar telling you that the Lord is leading me to leave this church. You go and meet the pastor. Good afternoon, sir. You know, for the last two months I've been praying. This prayer, this prayer, and then the Lord began to say, and the, Lord, the Lord didn't say nothing. She saw an array of single guys and said, my chances will be better if I'm in, in the midst of many waters. So let me go over there. He don't know that God has, you know, God will so blind all of them, they will not even greet you. When you greet them, they'll say, ah, thank you, sir. They think it's <laughs> think it's the senior pastor that greeted them. You'll be surprised. Ah, you look like, <laughs> what is happening to me here? Because blessings are commanded. One of my favorite scriptures said, from there, God commanded the blessings. Blessings are commanded. We were saying that yesterday. They accept you understand this. You will be fighting lotto. Lord, I'm the senior. Respect your senior. This is how you will support this country, this country, this society. No respect for me. What he's doing you is what? You are afraid that if Lord goes first, better go go. You have to bring all kinds of arguments. That there's never a time I chose before my senior. Lord, know your place. Why? You think your prosperity is a game of chance. So Lord must wait. But when you know that Lord's eye cannot even see that which is yours, you tell Lord, go and pick. That God will give Lot blindness towards that which belongs to you. And if paradventure he doesn't give him blindness, he's the one that knows what he wants Lot to do for you. He will say to Lot, cultivate this place, keep it, cause it to prosper. I will return it to my servant in 15 years. Faith creeps into your heart as you get knowledge. As you get understanding, as you know the things of the Spirit, faith starts creeping into your heart. I remember what one of her sisters said that those days to her mother. They had had a rough time in life and all of that. So the mother said, listen, after all this suffering, I've suffered over you, you guys, well, of course the whole family. He was talking to the girls. That no, that none of them will go and marry a poor man. Bring to her, say he wants to marry. She go look the guy. Moto, he doesn't have. Better cash, he doesn't have. Apostle, which car did you drive to go and marry your Public transport. Lexus. <laughs> Lexus. And the parents that know, that really have understanding, they don't even have the very spiritual. Those they shouldn't move them. If any, if any parent is moving, harassing you because of that, just look the girl's face. If he's agreeing with her father, walk away. Listen, can I just digress for a moment? Single guys, you can't pursue one woman for too long. I forbid you in Jesus' name. What is she? Nonsense. You see, these men will just be, they'll just be cheapening the, you know, the seed of God. It's not right. I've seen men before. A woman will tell them, please don't talk to me. And they will come back, you are a fool. I always tell people, see, listen, if a woman is not excited about your presence, she's not of God. 
Doesn't mean she's bad, just not your own. If you is looking at it, you think that this is your belt, why didn't you iron it? <laughs> just leave, you just leave it. Start finding all kinds of excuses. Nonsense. Nonsense. You know, I said something that my wife was not happy I said it. But it's the truth now. That is why I don't personally, I don't believe in this kneeling down to offer engagement ring. I will stand up. Come, look at me face to face. Will you marry me? Why should I be kneeling down? Be begging you. Now, so person, they take start to holler. <laughs> Five years later, we are still begging you to stay. If there's no food, you want to go. Now go and say, for better, for best, it's Pentecostal. It's, I'm speaking by faith. Take a stupid vow and tell me that it's faith. It's not faith. The real vow is for better, for worse. Faith and faithfulness is the same word in the Greek. There's no difference. This lack of faithfulness that they call faith is not what we're talking about. Say it's more wahala. They will start saying rubbish. How did I even get there? Okay, I know what I was saying, John. Your own thing has been appointed. That's what I'm going to make. When you understand that you're not just random, God picks. He knows you by name. If he says to Abraham, says to Abraham, I'm going to take you to a land that I will show to you. Abraham, Lord will say, come, let's go and share it. Abraham will say, I'm sleeping. Take anyone you like. Because when I wake up, the one that God ordains is coming to me. That is what faith is. That is what faith is. That's why I tell people, when everybody is rushing for something, ah, why I don't rush is because if I join the rush, I'm saying mine is not ordained. One of my house officers does this. The other doctors, you know, the young, young boys, one of them, he sat me down one day and said, Panky, why do you behave like this? He said, I didn't hustle for anything. Because sometimes they hustle to get surgical experience so that they can quickly start making money by doing small, small surgical procedures. It never crossed my mind that I was sent to go and make money. So maybe assuming that maybe we are three with one of our chiefs and they want to do a procedure. If I remember one guy did it to me one day, we're going to have a CS. Is it CS or so? So quickly... So I just, I picked the gloves, you understand? Gloves, you know, wanted to gown up, you know, we're in theater. So the more you join these operations, the more you get a skill and all of that. So he did something. <laughs> so I think I told him to help me pick the gloves. He picked it and quickly wore it. You know what? I just walked away. He thought he outsmarted me. He didn't understand that. He didn't understand. I'm not fighting. All he needed to do was ask politely. Say, banking now, you know, say you are not interested in these things. Can I? I'll just say, no problem. There was a time, all right? Let me color this a bit. Two of us were qualified to take a particular appointment. Do you understand? And, but there was only one position, and we're two. So I saw some shady, backward motion on the part of the people who had the power and the person, and the other person was not feeling a bit uncomfortable around me. I called a mutual friend. I said, go and tell this fellow that there's no need to feel uncomfortable. There's absolutely no need. My thing has been appointed. One million of you can't scheme to collect mine. I'm, I'm sorry, I called a mutual friend of ours. I said, please, tell this fellow that there's no need. There is, that because this one of feeling bad around me, I said, no, it's not necessary. If it, I, I was like Joseph. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but my life is not in your hands. The person in whose 
And my life is meant it for good. You didn't have a choice. I had to come here. Just that like God used you. I had to come here. So let's leave your own level. Let's get to the third level. By faith, we understand. Let's say this is clear. When I was coming to any good that time, people said, ah, yeah, you know, <laughs> please don't listen to people who don't know the truth. Many people sat me there, eh, Nigeria? And this is Nigeria of 20 years ago. I just, that time it was Nigeria of today. See, today I see Nigeria of today. They are still thinking the same way. In Nigeria of today, you know, you, where are you going? You are going to the east. You want to go and stay among the Igbos. I'm looking at people like this. You know, you are not an Igbo man. I said, was Joseph an Egyptian? That was always my question. I said, was Joseph an Egyptian? When you don't have God's favor on you, you'll be afraid. I have God's favor with me. Not some people, you know, the way we be sometimes, we just confess that God is not with me. When of a time we are preaching like this, we mentioned it, like, who knows where who is from? People ask me, is your wife Igbo? What difference does it make? My wife is from heaven. Is it truth? Citizen of heaven, that's what matters. Listen, people of God, that's how faith works, you know. Take this uh, COVID thing. People say, look, we obey the rules. Say all of you looking at masquerade. It's what federal government say we should do. So that they will not shut us down. <laughs> we obey. Fine. But there is nobody that will die by it whose name was not written first. None. Not one. Why God decides that, for example, in Egypt, there were just two things. One, you have to be an Egyptian, you have to be a firstborn. If you are not an Egyptian, you're not a firstborn, and you have to be outside a house that has the blood painted. If Egyptians ran down to Goshen, enter the house painted with blood, it's called baptism. <laughs> They've given their lives to Christ. They wouldn't have died. No, that's how come Israel had a mixed multitude going with them. A lot of people escaped that. They just said, man, nine plagues. The tenth one is coming. Please, I'm going to Goshen. We have a party in Goshen. Parents will tell their children, go and visit your friends in Goshen now. (laughs) Suddenly, they are no longer slaves. They are now friends. Go and have a sleepover. Because if they hear, say, the Israelites are cooking something, say, go and eat it. Those who won't even know what to do. You just see friends just come, hey, Ephraim, how you doing? <laughs> Judah, are you over there? Yes, I beg, where, where my bed, where my bed? Now here with the sleep this night. Let's go to that camp of Egypt. <laughs> Somebody, of course, they come out next morning, all their friends dead. What am I going to say? Death is not even an accident. Bad road will not kill anybody. Death kills people using bad road. Yes. There's nobody, you hear a plane crash, 249 people died. Every single one was checked in by an angel. And the ones that had marks that said you won't die now, decided missing their, no, their, their taxis. Taxis are breaking down the road. There was one, was it tanker that exploded in Lagos? That one woman was inside the DC. Taxi man just parked, I want to buy one. The woman was like, what? I'm paying you. You are using my time to buy corn. And the man stopped there. The corn he wanted was not ready. 
told the woman, Madam, I need to eat this corn. I'm hungry. The woman was getting angry. I have an appointment as I took a taxi. The man said, please, Madam, please, you can come down. While they were arguing and quarreling, the tanker exploded in front. That was how she was saved. It's not, look, Jessica told us a testimony here. One of us here in Enugu, Kingdom World here. She went to travel to Abuja, took a bike. They still had bikes in Enugu. The bike man just started riding, refused to stop. Ah, TK was like, what is wrong with you? This is where I'm going. Stop, stop, stop. It's as if the man didn't hear. Finally, he heard. And stopped somewhere else. And said, eh, please, mother, eh, sister, don't be angry. Don't be angry. I don't know the excuse he gave. He said, no, look at the vehicle. The man said, why did you enter this one? He stopped in front of another one. It wasn't the plan. No. She entered that one. The other one she wanted to enter, burnt with everybody inside in front of her in Lokoja. She watched it run into a tanker. Exploded and killed everybody. And she was watching. I said, when she came to give this, I said, that bike man was not a normal bike man. And then they just borrowed a bike. Came and took you away from the zone of death. And once, this it was very funny. Once I was going, I was going abroad. For certain reasons, okay, that time, the easy way to be sure that you don't miss your flight in Lagos is not to take a flight from Edugu because, <laughs> or you go the day before, and I couldn't because I had to teach here. And I was going to be gone, so I didn't want to miss too many meetings. So I went and booked Auto Star. As I got there, I was greeting the young woman at the counter. Oh, please, I, I, would be, I want to go to Lagos. I, I like to choose my seat if the journey is long like that. So this is where I like to keep my legs. So I said, please. Um, so as I was still trying to see, she now she brought out this their chart to show which ones have been taken. The phone rang. So she picked the phone. Hello. So I was hearing from there. Hung up. Mark something. <laughs> so, guy, you said you wanted what? They all happened. The seat I wanted, in the vehicle I wanted, that phone call just booked it. Oh, sorry, sir. This person just booked it. Oh, sorry. That is how she pushed me to second bus. Okay, no problem. Second Sienna. No trouble. So, that, that day, we... No. This, that one, I think, no, that one was full. And that was the second or third one was now full. So the only other thing I, I, they had was a, a bigger vehicle. And I didn't want that, but she, she found that it was okay. So I said, all right. I went, checked where I could sit comfortably. I paid. Next day I came. You see where I'm going? I sat down there. Then the driver of one of the bus came and said, please, excuse me, sir. Um, do you mind moving over? We want to leave. And these other people are not here. So we want to fill up the other bus so we can take off. So I, I went and checked the, vehicle, the seat I wanted was also open. I sat. Then one man came. He came from the, one of the neighboring villages. He had booked one of the earlier Sienas. But he came late, so the Siena had gone. So he told us to, him to enter our vehicle. Now, so all of us sat down there. Come to, you see what I'm going in a moment. Those are the days that you leave Enugu by 6 a.m., get to Lagos by 12 midnight. I don't know whether anybody remember those times. Because they were constructing the roads. So I, as soon as on our way, when we got to that beneath axis, the bypass, I saw a long hold up. I just really sent chapter, brethren, please pray. My flight is by 9 p.m. They knew I was going, but that was going to be the first uh, local North America meeting. So I promised those brethren that I will come, okay? My flight is by 9 p.m. I have to get to Lagos sometime. 
So Brenda said, no problem, we are praying with you. Sent message to, to, to a particular chat group, ESCO chat group. Then that one's cleared. Took like 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Then we passed already. Or more. Then I saw the vehicles. As far as your eyes can see. <laughs> I looked. <laughs> I have to get to Lagos. Now, of course, first I have to first see my brother. Because my passport was with him. He was only letting me collect it from the American embassy. So I was just checking. Brethren, when I saw that queue, if I had the guy sitting beside me in the vehicle, that guy that came from the village, when I told him that I was going abroad, he said, don't do it again. That's what he told me. He said, don't try this again. So I told him that, ah, 11 p.m., getting there is normal. That you are inside here, and you say you have a flight by 9 p.m. He just said to, said to me, don't do it again. You now you see where I'm going. So we're inside that long tasting room. Long, I, just to give the Lord thanks. Then suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. <laughs> You know, if you, you know the way it is. It's a dual carriage road. They are fixing one side, so everybody, all this hold up is on one side. So they have just finished fixing an area. Next thing I know that they just came, removed the divide. Just in that they used to block so they don't cross over. They removed it just as a vehicle in front of us were getting to that spot. So, uh, no, either that one or two vehicles in front. So those ones just diverted into the freshly tarred road. That's how we, we were like second or third to enter. Full speed, we took off. Do you know as we're going? Of course, you know the way it is. Kilometers upon kilometers, we're looking on the, all those early CNS that I missed. We're looking, of course, they all had it. We're, we're seeing them on the left. So I told the guy beside me from the village, I said, well, see your boss, see your boss, see your boss. <laughs> Man, that was how we cleared that area. We kept on driving. This guy, it's as if they just said, Banky is traveling. You know, I'm, that's how it sounded. Just, Banky is traveling, his flight is so, so, and so, and so, time. he has to move. Where is he? The angel just said, open the gate. They opened it. We moved to the other side. That's how we just kept on moving. That day I got to Lagos. 3 p.m. I was in Lagos. No, 3 p.m. I was in Lagos. I had time to shower, change. Of course, they, they came to, that's my younger brother, came to come and give me my passport. He, he, he had time here and um, one of our guys, Namdi, to, drove me to the airport. No, that day we had time. Just stayed. They drove me to the airport. I, I had the shower changed, dressed up for the flight. <laughs> I remember that story because of where that, that thing opened. Now, let me tell you something so that you will understand. If he had stayed closed and had missed that flight, I still would have given thanks. Because we like to rejoice when it opens. But when I get locked at the bridge for six hours... You now say it's not God. The thief comes not but to stay to kill and to destroy. Do you know what is in front? That you are blaming the thief for this one. You know, God can open doors, amen? And he also closes doors. So if a door is closed against me, I never think it's an enemy. Never. Never. Okay, from the story I've told now, that girl sold the last seat while I was in front of her. Because God told somebody, call in. Block that seat. It will disturb Banky if he takes it. I hope you are getting my point here. It's important we understand. You know, the reason why people behave the way they do is that they don't understand. They think they are just a game of chance. If there are many jobs in Lagos or Port Harcourt, if I go there, I will get it. No lie. You can get there and get nothing. There are times I see people just uh, rushing to log. That's where opportunity is. I'll just be looking at them like this. You are looking for chance opportunity. You know the truth? 
There are other chancy things there. Crime is chancily more plenty than Enugu. Homelessness. Nobody sleeps on the streets in Enugu unless, you know, non-composmentis, unless the brain is not complete. But in Lagos, I don't know about now, at least when I was there. Responsible people. You just see them. <laughs> Sometimes they even have a car. They just drive to the airport like they want to pick somebody. Say, like, they're not picking anybody. There's nowhere to go. They just park. Yes. What, 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 what have I not seen? Those is in Lagos. And they say, there's money in Lagos. I say, there's also poverty there. There's a kind of poverty in Lagos. Ah, oh, Lord. Like one of our brothers would say, he said, if you are poor, he said, if you are poor in the poor country, no problem. He said, when you are poor in the rich country, there's a problem. Like your poverty is suddenly more obvious. Lagos is a place where you will see some kinds of poverty that is, when you see adults begging. The kind of people that have begged me in Lagos, eh? <laughs> beg for money. They will throw you off. You see a responsible man, you know, I, I, I have small eye for quality. As a man is talking, I'm looking at that shirt. Where boys like us, maybe we're buying shirts for 600 naira. You know, this man didn't buy this shirt for anything less than 6,000. You are looking at the shirt. And he's telling you that, please, he doesn't know whether you can help him. That things are very rough. And you're like, oh, God, sell that shirt. Somebody might buy it. No, but he's used to money. But now he's broke. The one man leaned against his expensive car in Lutu, begged me for money. He paid me that I didn't have money on me. I just coming back from outside. I think I didn't have anything left. You can be in the midst of plenty and not get a dime. Yet, you can be in the wilderness and manna will be raining from heaven. I hope you're getting my point. You can be in the wilderness and manna will be raining from heaven. That's, you see, I said something else here before. When Jesus used to give thanks for food, he was teaching us something. Food is common. It's really common. Yesterday I was reading somewhere that the world wastes annually. The amount of food the world wastes. You didn't read it. It was news yesterday. I forgot maybe like 93 million tons of food is wasted worldwide. That if they put those, the food wasted in the world in trucks, it will go around the world. It was enough to go around the earth. The trucks that will carry it. They will line back to back around the earth. That's the amount of food that we waste every year. Not we consume. They said people like the, the, the Japanese, they have one funny culture. In their malls, they don't, you know, sometimes you go to our, our mall shops here, you see fruits that maybe it's a bit about to go, but it's still on the shelf. Not in Japan. If they have an apple, and it's not perfectly apple-shaped, with no dent, they don't put it on the shelf. If there is a small dent, they will not put it on the shelf. They will throw it away. Their bananas will be perfect. That if you go to a Japanese, you know, you go to Japanese malls, the amount of food they throw away because of imperfection, it made people start NGOs to be gathering them. That this is not good. Food is abundant. You go to a country like the United States, oh God. My friend, when he moved to the U.S. about, where time flies now, about 15 years ago, <laughs> he said one of the first things they had to learn was how to throw food away. So he said it to me on the phone, we talked, we talked, we talked. Then I went to the U.S. at the time, spent about five weeks. In five weeks, I had learned how to throw food away. 
I know it's not something you think of. Oh. As I was going out, open the fridge, apples into the dustbin, chicken to the dustbin, sprites down the sink. I'm not kidding. I'll just open my drink down the sink, the milk remaining down the sink, flush the sink down, and you're not thinking about it. I got to Lagos. I threw sugar in the dustbin. My wife asked me whether I was all right. <laughs> because we stayed in the hotel. I just, in the morning we were going, I just carried everything. I just, everything we remained, threw for dustbin. Ah! He's like, what are you doing? How can I go out, buy, you know, stuff, and then you threw in the dustbin? Why? She fixed her things back from the dustbin. <laughs> I to say, sweetheart, I'm so, I wasn't thinking about it. Just a habit. Abundance. But you know, Derek Prince said something once. He said, God told him that I have been good to America. That abundance is not by chance. It's a gift of God. That's the point I'm going to make. Even though it's abundant, Jesus will take the food. That plate of food. He will raise his eyes towards heaven. And say, Father, I thank you. And the Bible will say this was where he fed 5,000 after he had given thanks it was so emphatic. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and then he broke it. I first told the story of abundance to let you know that we are not giving thanks because of poverty. Even in the midst of abundance, Jesus would take bread and give thanks. They had a lot to eat and drink last supper. He still took the bread and gave thanks. Do you know why? Every, I pray we understand it. You know, what we are seeing on this earth eh, is not real. The thing that's really real is the realm of the spirit. If you look from the realm of the spirit, you will see an angel prepare your food and serve it. But it will look like you just went to a shop. Out of 100 loaves, you took two. Let me say to you, you have to be reason for some people, but the fact is that God prepared those two for your family and kept them there. So if you wake up one morning and there's no loaf anywhere, there's no rice left over, there's no um, yam anywhere, and we have to eat, don't do this nonsense Nigerians do. What is this coming, coming to, country coming to? Buhari, Buhari, Buhari. Because you don't have rice, you don't have beans. It's Buhari. The Bible says he does not listen to such cries because it's a cry of evil men. That's what the Bible says. Proud men, I wanted to say. He said the cry is evil. It's a cry of proud people. He said, what should they have said? Where is God my maker? So I've gathered the children and said, let us pray. Father, we are here. We are your children. You supply our needs. The Lord is our shepherd. Therefore, we will not want. Say, children, let's raise up the name of God over this household. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. You keep on declaring the Lord is our shepherd. It's not about abundance outside or leanness outside. It's about the Lord being our shepherd. You'll be amazed at how he will provide. There are many ways he provides. There are times you just wake up. Somebody, your wife will just remember. Wait. Pastor came to here, was here yesterday. There was a bag. There was a bag. Let me tell you one joke. Who came to my house the other day? It was night. I can't remember who. I think it was Zima. So he came. We were not home, so he waited. But as soon as he, we came back, he came. He said, Pastor, I just wanted to greet you. Heard you were not feeling well the other time. And just dropped something. So, and left. Now it was bottles. You know, some of the stuff was bottles. So I just thought it was wine. 
So I said, okay, ah, Imam brought us wine. Thank you very much. I dropped it there. So I was not telling my wife that, Kai, what I want right now, I want to soak Gary with groundnut. It was late, like past 10. Say, where will you get groundnut this night? I said, the Lord is good. I don't know. I said, that's really what I would like. Next thing, I just said, okay, let's clear the, the bottle from the table. So I wanted to remove the bottle of wine and keep it in the segment for wine, only for it to come out. What was it? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I had never seen granola so beautiful in my life. It was so timely. Now, let me tell you how I interpret those things. And it's not a joke, it's real. The Lord sent him, go and give Banky groundnuts. He wants to eat this. Now, that is what his soul desires. And I want my son to have what his soul desires for tonight. Imam could have come the next night. But God said, go and deliver this groundnut this night. It was past 10. Like, no, it was like 10.30. He just said, Pastor, please, I can't wait any longer. I just wanted to greet you. And he turned and he left. I, you see, when I say, Father, it was, it was Gary I soaked. You know, like, some people think it's poor, poor people's food. So it's because we are poor. If you were not poor, you would not think your <laughs> Gary is poor people's food. Me, I have been soaking Gary for a very long time. Since I became rich, I started soaking Gary. <laughs> One day I was in the office, so I was just talking to someone that when I'm, that I can't really eat three square meals, that my stomach doesn't handle it, but that if I eat good food in the afternoon, I don't like to eat at night, but as I, I, I will not get hungry around 11 o'clock. We're just gisting that I will not so Gary. So you guys said, what did you say? <laughs> I said, I said I saw Gary with granite. He said, chief, you saw Gary. The other guy is now saying, hey, wait, wait, wait. See, he's not pretending. That there's no pretense around him. I didn't know I needed to pretend. That what is pretend? Who doesn't so Gary? God punish people who doesn't so Gary. <laughs> what nonsense? You must be a wicked soul. <laughs> what nonsense? The guy now asked me to be like, look, he said around here. Only poor people do it though. I said, is that so? I said, okay, I'm, I'm poor. I, I, this, you want my kind of poverty, but the Lord gave it to you. <laughs> the Lord is good. See, as small as it was, I told my wife, no, see, God arranged it and said, this, this boy wants this thing, my son, give it to him. So when I took the cup and I said, Father, I thank you, he knew I was grateful. I wasn't pretending. It wasn't just a habit to pray before I eat. I was really grateful. Sometimes you finish praying like that, some of you remember that, ah, there was a bag. Now listen to what I want to say now. I tell you something. God changes the past. People say it doesn't change the past. Me, I don't believe it. What do I mean by changes the past? That bag you suddenly remembered, and which really you went and opened, and it contained what Americans would call groceries, would not have been there were well, not for the prayer of today. Even though you remember suddenly somebody brought it last night. You know, it's breakfast we're talking about now. And we're raising the name of the Lord up. You are the supplier. You are the shepherd. We will not lack. And then after prayer, suddenly one body in the family says, oh, there's somebody came in. Ah, there was one bag. So someone surprising dropped here yesterday. I just wanted to bring it. say, ah, maybe that day I forgot to give it to you. I think he said I should give you. Then you open it. You see cornflakes. You see milk. You see this. You see one fat loaf of bread. It will be like, oh, we did not know it was here all the while. I want to tell you something. It was not there all the while. When you give thanks... 
God rearranged the event of yesterday. I pray you'll be able to process this. It's hard, I know. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that when you give thanks and lifted up his name, he won back the time and made that thing come in and told one of the people in the household, now you will remember this. And if that morning you did not give thanks like that, and you were there shouting, Buhari, who will not die in this country, you will, hunger will have taught you that is, by two o'clock, you, all of you will be fainting. Then you will pack yourselves, leave the house, and go to the road and start clapping. Until somebody will now give you offering for starting church at the junction. I don't know, I, don't, I just said, I don't know, whatever I said, I hope it makes sense, I don't know, I just said anything like that. <laughs> but anyway, God hunger will have destroyed all of you. But because you give thanks, he rewound the time. Don't assume that, ah, we'll have remembered eventually. There will have been nothing to remember. That's why I believe it, too, that God changes the time, changes the past. Food is common, but the one that is yours is specially sent. If God doesn't send that food, it will not bless you. If you ate the food and it was a blessing to you, it was sent to you, please, I want us to think. I want us to rearrange our brains into spiritual thinking. That's how I pray. I say, Lord, I know you are. Uh-uh, I need something. I know you have prepared it. I want, I want to understand something. Quickly, let's read this. Maybe it's going to be good for us. Psalm 139. There's one portion of it that I want us to quickly read again. Psalm 139. This is how faith comes into the heart. It's understanding these things. And that's how <laughs> you can afford to trust the Lord. That's why. Talking to one woman in my office a few days ago, said I should help with something. I said, well, I don't know the people you are asking me to talk to, to get this thing done. I really am sorry. I really don't know. I don't have that kind of power you're asking. He said, he said hmm, please, when you say help me, I don't have anybody but Jesus. I said, why don't you talk to Jesus? Do you get my point? She said, I don't have anybody but Jesus. I said, then talk to him. And he said, if you talk to him, now you still have to talk to people. I said, I just packed my bag. I said, you don't, have, you don't know anything. That's not your problem. Because he was there arguing with me. You just said, I know nobody but Jesus. I said, why don't you talk to him? And he said, no, will he not come from heaven to help you? I said, yes, he does. He comes from heaven to help people. What's wrong with people? They come, they start saying things like, eh, God will not come down from, he will. You think he's afraid of the earth? He said, he still has to walk through somebody. Sometimes he doesn't. You think Jesus doesn't walk around? Sometimes Jesus will walk by himself. Because let me tell you something you don't understand about Jesus. He has human flesh. Which means he has a right on the earth any time. He has his resurrection body. It's a body. So sometimes, and I've heard testimonies like that. He will enter the MD's office and say, MD, how are you? I say, I'm fine. I want you to employ this person. The MD will have finished employing. They will remember, who was that man that said I should employ? He can't even remember. What he will just remember is that when he came in, the aura about him was as if the president came in. So I could not refuse. Because it was as if I was obeying instructions from the president. Who told you Jesus does not come down? You know, we make statements... We don't even know what we are saying. Tell the woman was after some. I just picked my back. I said, "Madam, you know what your problem is? You are too stubborn. You know they hear. You just opened your mouth now, and you told me 
I have nobody but Jesus. I said, talk to him. You say, will he come down? Why won't he come down? Is he afraid of your, of your establishment? And if he doesn't want to come down, there are many people he can send. He walks, see, when I say the Lord walks in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, believe it. I mean, how did Naaman get healed? Was a slave girl that they stole from a village. That said, oh, that my master were in jail, were in, uh, with the prophets in Israel. He would have cured him of his leprosy. That was his redemption. That was Naaman's redemption. Was a slave girl. Little girl that they stole from her village. Little girl that they stole from her village. There's a story that happened in Enugu. I think I've used it to illustrate this before. One young boy went to the, to the market. I think in Osaka, or maybe it's Enugu here. But Enugu stayed here, sir. But it had to do with UNN. And there's a man he knew in the market. You know, the man owns a bookshop. So he was just looking morose. So the man said, what's the problem? He says he's been trying to gain addition, ad, admission you know, that this year he doesn't want it to pass him back, by again. But it looks like he's not going to get it this time around. And the man in the market said that, so why didn't you tell me all this while? And the boy looking like, tell you. What are you going to do about it? So he told him, see me in the evening when I close. When he closed, he put the boy on the back of his motorbike and rode into campus, went to the VC's house. He was VC's classmate in primary school. Most all of us become professors. And the VC was nice enough to recognize his old friends. And the guy said, please, VC, please, oh, this is my boy. He really, really is desperate. And let me tell you the truth, VC has power. Vice Chancellor. Those people, the day I realized the power they had there, when it comes to that university, those people get muscle. Let me not give you just here. The day my that they told me, say, no, that the, the counselors, I know, the Senate had approved that the VC could admit you even if you don't have the requisite five credits. Yes, now, they, there was a time they didn't able to run their races, Nuga games and all of that. And those boys who could run, they were not getting credits. <laughs> So they had a meeting and empowered the VC. They just come say, what can you do? I can swim across the Atlantic. <laughs> VC will approve exemption for you. You enter school with three credits. Just make sure you are swimming. <laughs> How did Jesus help that young boy? Through the most unlikely person in the market. Don't tell me that uh, Jesus... Listen, Jesus can literally come down. He's not afraid of the earth. And when he's coming down sometimes, he doesn't have to do anything himself. He just comes with two angels. You know, he takes strolls around. Come and see what we're up to. Sometimes you sit at the back there. Some of us may see him. Others don't see him. Say, this one, that, that bank is not around. Let me see what the community is preaching. And he will be there taking notes. He said, okay, he doesn't have to come down. He can do it from heaven. I agree with you, but he chose to come down. Why didn't he look at Sodom and Gomorrah from heaven? Why do you want to be arguing with me now? Why didn't he look? He came, he said, let me come and see whether it's really like that. Why didn't he just look from above? Is he really like that? No. <laughs> he came down personally, physically, came with two guys, and those people that follow him, 
Let me just say something that's very funny. Imagine that they were his bodyguards. You know how tough they would be? So those ones, nobody refuses them anything. Those ones can uncook volcanoes, close volcanoes, enter an office, and just tell boss, employ this person. And when the boss will look, you will just know you can't refuse. And just wait outside. Checking your environment. It's clean. It's good. No problem. Afterwards, they leave. Why did they come down? Because you asked. Uh-uh. What's our problem? <laughs> so if I argue with me that will he come down? Yes, he will come down. He's not afraid of the earth. He will come down. If he needs to, he will come down. He will come down. One man was, I read his testimony, beautiful testimony. He was in a plane that crashed. Did I, did I hear it or read it? It was a beautiful testimony. I read, I read of that thing when it happened that time. But I never knew I would get his story out of it. A plane crashed on another plane in an airport. There was a mix-up mix up with um, uh, the control room. Anyway, make a long story short. They jumped on the airport. So that plane caught fire. He said he watched the flames starting from the front as he was coming back towards him. So just closed his eyes, gave the Lord thanks for his life, committed his spirit to the Lord, and waited for the flame to, to engulf him. Now, his plane was the one that was down, that the one landing, landed on. So when that one landed, as it was landing, it tore part of the fuselage above his head. Now, note that. So, as he watched the flames rolling towards him, he bowed his head, prayed to the Lord, and relaxed. And he saw the way unbelievers were dying. Angry. They were angry, cursing. He just was just calm. Next thing, he happened to be sitting in one part of the plane, where maybe near the wings, the tank exploded. You know what the tank did? Took his chair and threw it through that gap in the roof. And he landed on the grass. The only injury, as he was passing through that, his arm caught a bit of the metal, and the metal caught him. That was the only injury. He landed with his seat on the grass and watched the plane burn. You think it's a game of chance? God can't. When he wants to save, read this story, um, God Smuggler. No, no, not God Smuggler, sorry. The happiest people on earth. Then Moshe Kanai told a story that, that happened during the Second World War. These Germans, they were in church, a church group. When the bomb siren went off. So when the siren goes off like that, you go and go into the bunkers that they built all over the city where you hide the bomb shelters. So they went in there as the bombs were dropping around them. They were hearing, boom, boom, boom. You know the way it is. Here the planes go, the bomb being released as it's whistling through the air and it's landing and blowing everything up. So they went to the bomb shelter. After a while, the siren went off again, all clear. Everybody can come out. They try to come out. It's a bunker. The door is made of steel, heavy steel. They tried to open it. It burnt them. They realized that a bomb had landed near the door and the heat had welded the door shut and they were underground. All time. Nobody knew they were there. So the men gathered their piece of wood around. The men among them began to beat on the door. 
beat on the door. It didn't budge. It had welded. The heat of the bomb had welded the steel shut. And after a while, they told themselves, no need to waste energy. Because now we are consuming the little oxygen we have. So they laid down all their weapons. Someone said, what do we do? He said, let us pray. There was a church. So they gathered and prayed, bowed their heads, joined hands, asked the Lord for deliverance. And they started waiting. You know the next thing they had? One straggler, you know what they call a straggler? Those people that didn't take off, nobody took off amongst the bombers. Finally arrived. Released his own bomb. They just hear, boom! The bomb hit the same door, blew it open. And the guy took off. Released one bomb at the door, blew the door open, and disappeared. And all of them just walked out. <laughs> Who said God? True story done in the Second World War. Then Moshakan told the story because they took him to the place to go and see that God answers prayers. Why do we talk as if he does it? That is what faith is. Faith is just knowing these things. Faith is knowing that what you call cancer to God is an affliction. He can see it. He can. You know, you know, you are eating. You see a drop of maybe something falls inside your food. You know, do you pick it and throw it away? Or you have a glass of water. You see one particle, you just take a spoon, scoop it, and throw it away. That is how easy it is for the Lord Jesus to scoop cancer and throw it away. You know, there are, some, there are things Christians say sometimes. Eh? You just look and say, hey, why do we undermine our own faith? He says, it's good to believe God, though, but please, still let the doctors do what they want to do. I want to say this. It's unbelief. That statement... I'm not saying the doctor doing what he wants to do. But when most people make that statement, it's unbelief. They don't believe Jesus can directly do anything. We have this faith, we think, that he only walks through people. It's not true. You can go to bed at night sick. You wake up in the morning healthier than you have ever been all your life. He can mend anything. Help you understand. To him, it's nothing. Let me tell you something here. We have this unconscious, it's deep inside us. That Jesus is a prophet. So what I mean is this. You compare him to Maokwai, who does not know medicine. Maokwai is an evangelist. That's what we think. You just assume that Jesus is a, you know, there's this prophetic thing around him. He's He's a man of God. So that when we are talking advanced chemistry, he gets confused. If you go to differentiation and integration... He will be watching us. He can learn. We can teach him fast if he comes for class. You know, he's very intelligent. That's the way we reason about him. It's an uncognizant. If I asked anybody, won't say it. But deep inside, that's how they reason. He did try. If you are sick, he has to calculate the diet and prescribe the diet so that he can correct it over the next three weeks. That's how we reason. He lays hands on the sick. Let me tell you about Jesus he did not know. He doesn't know physics. He created physics. To say he knows physics is an insult. To say he knows physics, you're insulting him. You don't go to him and say, Lord, are you aware of the YDX? You say, there was no YDX until I wrote it. Sadhu Savaraj said one day he had a revelation of the, the Lord appeared to him. And he told him the things that were wrong with Albert Einstein's theory. That Einstein said this, but it's not true. This is where he made the mistake. 
You know, we think Albert Einstein knows more physics than Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is looking at this kindergarten physics boy. The only thing Albert Einstein knows, I will tell you in case you do not know, is how to read what is revealed. I pray you get that one day. Jesus will say, leave that thing. I sent an angel to show him a script. He copied that for you guys. You guys give him Nobel Prize. And everybody is excited. My most stupid angel knows more than him. No, really. Science, let me, look, let me just say something. The way God has designed the earth, what we, see, there's something I tell medical students. When they graduate from school, then it was told to me when I graduated from school, but they didn't believe it that time. When I became a teacher, I not started believing it. I tell the students that, listen, now you have not learned anything. And when a doctor just graduating, I feel like I know them. They know nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Empty heads. Am I insulting them? No. Because I know so many things they don't know. No idea. So I tell medicals, I said, you know what? What you have learned now as you are graduating is the right to learn. And because of your training, you can now learn. Without this training, you can't learn. Things will happen, you won't take any instruction from it. You will see, you will not understand. You will hear, you will not perceive. But your training has given you the ability to now learn. You know, it was after I taught for years that I realized how little your fresh graduates know. One day I talked to one of our sisters. She's a specialist. She's a pathologist like me. So we're having a discussion. She was smiling. I said, ah, why are you smiling? What I'm saying, don't you understand? She said, Chief, me and you are not on the same level. A specialist. That's when it dawned on me that even as a specialist, eh? Because I had more than 10 years' experience ahead of her. There were things I was saying, and she was lost. You know, because me and you hold the same certificate, I thought, <laughs> we're off the same level. Now, let me see, why did I say all of this? On this earth, you go to school, you get a BS, you get a PhD. You have only learned how to read what the Lord will reveal. I hope you're getting my point. Because if he wants to give a revelation of microwave amplification through stimulated emission of radiation, he can't give me. Do you know why? I will be confused. So he takes that revelation and he goes to a man like Charles Towns in the, you know, in the 50s who has a PhD, who was a professor of physics and says to Charles Towns while he's sitting in the park, this can work. In one flash, Charles Town understands. And he goes back to his laboratory. He and his PhD student, they start working. And within a, a year or two, they have produced what they call a MESA. That's what I just gave you the full name of. After a while, they apply the same principles and produce what they call LESA. Before then, everybody said it wouldn't work. In fact, Charles Town said he took that thing on because he was already a term professor, so nobody could sack him. So right now I can do anything I like, I won't get fired. That if he tried it years before, they would have fired him for wasting the university's time and money. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Jesus knows so much physics. Occasionally he will show a bit to people who can't understand it. He takes genetics. Listen, if he comes now and shows Pastor Okimote an unwound strand of DNA with all the histones and everything, you know he's just going to collapse. 
He will have no idea. So when he wants to teach the depths of genetics, he goes to those who have done a PhD, who have researched, and, show, and then they will have revelation. They will not say, is there a PhD that taught them this? Jesus said, if I make you mental. So Charles Towns did not pretend about it. How did he get the idea? He said, it is a, he said like, prophets get revelations. That's how I got it. He wrote that, and John Templeton gave him an award. Because there's this John Templeton award they give for those who can show the link between the spiritual and the physical. So he got a John Templeton award. And look at how satanists work. And it was published in the MIT magazine. I think either MIT or what university was in. The publisher, the number one financier of the university said, I will pull out my money unless you withdraw that publication. The story I told you now was all Charles Towns told. That I was sitting in the park when the idea dropped in my head like a prophet gets a revelation. I'm talking about, I'm telling you about Jesus so that you can believe him. He knows more physics than Charles Towns. He knows more physics than Albert Einstein. He knows much more physics than the man who was just angry and all his life kept on trying to prove that there's no God. And he died saying there's no God. And he found out that there is God after he had died. What is his name? Stephen Hawkins. He knows more physics than Stephen Hawking, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein, Charles Towns, and all these men put together. All of them put together, they've only learned how to read what he reveals. That's Jesus we are talking about. How do I know? By him, all things were made. Without him was nothing made that was made. By him, all things consist. In him is the fullness of wisdom, the fullness of knowledge, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. That's physics. Let's talk about medicine. Do I need to tell you he knows more than the best psychiatrist, the best nephrologist, the best obstetrician? He knows more than the best endocrinologist. He knows more than the best of the best of the doctors. And to him, all of them have just learned to read. What they call incurable. He said, my smallest angel uses to play soccer in the morning. Cure it for soccer. You know, like the game. Jesus doesn't have to. He just needs to touch. You know what they call touch? It's not amazing. Everybody... Apostle, there was not, not any kind of illness he wanted to heal that he couldn't heal with a touch. He said the person was born blind. Put clay. Go and wash it off. You know why? He said you should go and wash it off. Don't disturb the process because it was creating new eyes. So use the clay to block, so don't, don't disturb it. So by the time the guy walks to the pool of Siloam, the eyes will be ready. <laughs> Created new ones. People thought it was impossible. Are we not trying to do, uh, what do you call it? What, what we call them? Um, embryonic stem cells now. Uh, stem cells to try and create new organs. We're trying to use them. Jesus touched. I can't just imagine, because of my knowledge of science in that area. Two cells here, picked, they reverted back to the primitive level, what we call the pluripotent level. And they tossed the place around. They said, we are in the eyes. He said, Jesus, now follow. You know what to do. They began to generate. They began to generate. Bam. It took them like 30 minutes to one hour. What it took that, that guy to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. When he got there, he washed brand new eyes there. That's Jesus Christ. He makes new parts of the body. His touch. All the gynecologists that time had tried to heal this woman with the issue of blood. 
and she rather grew worse rather than getting better until she was totally broke. Touched his garment. That one he was not even aware. <laughs> Yet the power came in and she was immediately made whole. Did you ever see Jesus encounter anybody that would reach out to him? He didn't heal completely. You think there was no cancer at that time? There was. He will go in, he will touch. Sometimes he doesn't have to touch. He will speak the word. They will get healed. And listen, what you call cancer is nothing but a spirit-empowered group of cells that's growing like they are crazy. If you withdraw that spirit, the Bible says they expire. You withdraw the spirit, the cancer expires. See, we need to restart rethinking. Not as a doctor, we cut, 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 cut. These are Kingagagatin boys. Trying to learn the, learn the science of healing. But we give them tied to professor of surgery, and you are impressed. And you now tell Jesus, please, professor is calling me, you wait. You know that professor does not even trust himself. They are the one that thinks he knows what he's doing. They are the one that thinks half of the treatment is experimental. Testing. I dare anybody to lie down before Jesus Christ and say to him, touch me, or that you won't get healed. Just lie down before him. Like I say, jokingly, say, Lord, he's here. You know the way you do it to the doctor too? Give him time also, because not every time he wants to heal in a hurry. The man that was born blind, could he have touched him? And the man would have gotten healed? I don't know. But he said, no, this process would take me like an hour. Go to the pool of Siloam, go and wash. Put clay over the eyes. You know the way we want to do construction site? We screen it off. You see them, first thing they come, build up. This, most of the time, these corrugated iron sheets. They screen off the whole place. You don't know what they are digging inside. Just cleaned off the place. They don't touch it. There's work going on behind. Sometimes healing that part of your body requires you to just lie down. Relax. Give him time. Call them in the office. I'm taking a week off. Why? Jesus is, is, is walking on my back. And lie down there. Put, thank God for technology. Give us technology for a reason. Allow the message to be playing there. Sometimes, just Bible on CD. Bible on whatever it is on, on, on your device. Select a few chapters, especially Isaiah 53. As it's played, there's an infusion. You know what we call infusion? It's going, passing into the blood. Passing into the system. When we call him a great physician, we're not just healing him, we're describing him perfectly. When he says a great physician, that's what he is. There is no doctor like him. There's no surgeon like him. You know, sometimes I hear Christians, they give what I call excuses for Satan. My eyes is my age. My leg is my age. My back is in our family. That's it. My heart. My father had a heart problem. His grandfather had. My mother too. Her, grand, her, her, her father had. It's in our genes. And just looking at you like this, oh foolish Galatian. You know, you are withdrawing yourself away from his ability to heal by giving what I call excuses for Satan. 
Did he say anybody that they, they ever brought to Jesus Christ? He said, this one, is it, your, is it only your family? He said, yes, I can't heal that one. Maybe Peter. Peter is the one that will look. You know, <laughs> truly, Peter, James, John, they used to do things like that. And I think that's part of what Jesus told them to go and do. They go to a particular village. They pray for the sick. Anyone that doesn't get healed, say, wait here, Baba is coming. Then when Jesus comes, you not line all those difficult cases. But when Baba comes by himself, there's none. It's only those that start laughing at him. Is this not the carpenter's son? They're the ones that don't get healed. Every other one, they get it. Every other one. Old age is not a disease. Old age is not a disease. Apostle, old age is not a disease. It's allowed to do only one thing for you. Make you wise. Teach you wisdom from experience. It's not allowed to make your knees buckle. It's not allowed to make you forget. It's not allowed to make your eyes go dim. It's not allowed to make your heart grow weak. You know, my sister sent me a video yesterday. I told my wife, two days ago, I told my wife, how old do you think this woman is? My wife said like 60, 60, 65. I said yes. I said even me, I did not believe she was 88. Except I, I saw it on you, DW, DW, on one right corner, the left hand corner. And if it, I don't know how many of you know DW, that's Deutsche Welle. That's like BBC of Germany. You know, you have Voice of America, you have BBC, and you have France 24. The Dutch one, the, the German one is DW. I said DW will not put this video out if they have not verified that this woman is truly as old as she says she is. She looks Turkish or something. She's an exercise instructor. You should see her walk. This is how this woman walks up and down. I said, eh? There was one I saw the other day. That one I said, she's about 80-something also. She's a bodybuilder and an instructor. And they tell, there was one other woman I saw. She, da- no, she dances ballet and she's 80-something. You know, I see small, small boys who are just 62. So you know my back, my age, 62. Shame on you. I'm not abusing you for falling sick. I'm just abusing you for thinking you are old at 62. Your mates are jogging. One sick, no sick, S-I-K-H, Indian that I saw. He was retiring from running half marathon. He was almost 80. I think he was 75 or so. No, he was 80-something. I've forgotten his story is a bit old now in my head. And he was retiring from half marathon. You know they call half marathon? Half marathon, I was telling you, is, is 11 kilometers. Abi? No, no, 22 kilometers. No, 21, sorry. Full marathon is 42. Yes, half marathon is 21 kilometers. This man, about 80 years old, he was running it. You know, start from the beginning, run constantly for 21 kilometers. NASA is retiring from half marathon. That's why it was in the news. Then you see a man who's 72, says old. How did those people become like that? That's not my own. My own is at least hear those stories so you know what is possible. Your bone doesn't have to break just because you are 75 years old. All these things have ears. That's another thing we're not talking about. You know, we want to get these spiritual concepts correctly. These things, they have ears. Know that your body has ears. I don't mean this ear. I mean your eye has ears. Your ear has ears. Your brain has its own ears, different from the one this you are using to hear the environment. 
Every part of your body has ears. Know that. Take advantage of it and speak to them. Stop joining people. You see, ah, there are so many things to say. The words you speak every day, they are piling up. Every day they are piling up. So start speaking right words now. You are young. Start speaking right words now. I'm not talking about right wishes. Just scripture. 92, uh, Psalm 92 makes it clear that even though you are old, you will still be fruitful. Just start, start believing it from the time you are young. Understand that what you see around may not be the normal. I hope you are getting my point. And that somebody has to create a new normal. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. What we see around doesn't have to be the normal thing. Do you know if we are to go by what everybody did, nobody will enter the promised land. Ten spies would not enter. And all the congregation of Israel would not enter. Does it make not entering normal? But Caleb and Joshua created a new normal. So when they start telling you that a disease is commoner when you are 80, you are not a statistical item. You know, I keep on saying it. If you afflict 49 out of 50, you are the one that spoils it. It will have been 50 out of 50, but you now, they now joined you. By the time they counted, you said it was not afflicting you. So they removed your name and said it afflicts 49 out of 50. Remember, you are the odd person out. That's the, that thing I just said now. Peter, say amen. amen. You are the one that will spoil the curve. When they plot it, one will just go in one corner. It's you. You have used the word of God to destroy everything. They predicted that by the time you are 105, you won't see again. At 105, you go and join archery. And you are firing. <laughs> now become a sharpshooter for Olympics. Do not say, yeah, okay, 99 out of 100 men. Don't see after they are 105. You have spoiled it. If they say, by the time you are this age, be careful. Don't run up the stairs because of your heart. That one, you'll be chasing your grandchildren. First to reach the top. After some time, they say, okay, for most men, don't do it. But people in this family, they can do it. I hope you're getting my point. Let's understand something. That's one on that way faith is built up. These physical things we can see, they are they are subject to the spiritual that we cannot see. Don't ever forget that. There is something spiritual controlling that which you can see. Your genes are not the most powerful thing concerning your health. There's a power of the spirit that silences defaultive genes. To today, even in medicine, we know it. There are people that are supposed to be sick. They are not sick. So they say why? They say, they say gene silencing. Waiting silence the gene. Say, you know, there's a way, there's a way we tell these lies in science. We say it's because there is methylation of the DNA segment. There's hypermethylation of the DNA segment. Why did they hypermethylate? I will tell you. Because God said, thus far and no further. Because Jesus touched. And of all the genes in the body, he silenced all the ones that are negative. And listen to me, in the next generation, they will have been corrected. That's how it works. Get that point. And that is how faith is built in the heart. Let's bow down our heads and give a lot of thanks for truth that we have heard again today.